We begin today with confessions of a fanboy. I ponder how someone who lived over 150 years ago can know so much about us today. We briefly visit a Monday night football game, and I confess to you my lack of focus when watching said game. Then I tell you about being a disappointed or embarrassed fanboy, all on the way to answering the question, how can I avoid working? Welcome to the Sky Pilot Podcast that explores questions of faith, spirituality, and religion. I'm Dan Matthews, and I don't have all the answers, but I do enjoy the questions. Welcome to the podcast where every question is an invitation into a spiritual quest, and you're invited along for the journey. I am a huge fan of Mark Twain. I mean, I'm not a scholar or anything. I just have certainly read my share of his writings, and I've even gone so far as to read one of his books. Really? You read a whole book of his? I can see why you're bragging. I mean, surely no one has ever done anything like that before. I wasn't finished with my sentence. I read one of his books in its entirety in an episode of this podcast, episode 87. I will say it's a very short book. And it is said that he considered that book's subject matter to be so incendiary that he would not allow it to be published during his lifetime. So if you haven't listened to that episode, check it out. What I like most about him, though, if truth be told, is how many wonderfully insightful, pithy sayings he's produced in his lifetime. For example, he said, get your facts first, then you can distort them as you please. Now that quote, Actually, it's particularly appropriate for our current time, don't you think? By the way, he was not supporting that way of doing things. He was mocking it, just to be clear. He also said, if you tell the truth, you don't have to remember anything. Okay, that tone also seems appropriate for our current time. Again, he has another one that I like. He said, never argue with stupid people. They'll drag you down to their level and then beat you with experience. Wow, maybe he was like Nostradamus or something and speaking to our current age. Actually, that's exactly why I like him so much, because much of his sayings are just as pertinent today as they were when he said them or wrote them. Which is why I'm deeply saddened or troubled by today's podcast, because I'm going to disagree with Mr. Twain. Okay, so I'm watching football on Sunday, and an ad comes on. And I should remember what the ad was for, but I really didn't mentally tune in until the very end of the commercial. I'd say it was a truck commercial. I mean, I'm watching NFL. There has to be like a 60% chance that it was a truck commercial, right? All right, this just in, it wasn't a truck commercial. So you want to guess what it was? I'll give you a second. And this isn't a trick question. It's a pretty obvious answer. Yeah, I'm guessing you did not need the thinking music. It's a pretty obvious answer, and you know it's a beer commercial. I mean, it's the NFL. It's trucks or beer. Anyway, at the end of the commercial, it says, Find something you love to do, and you will never work a day in your life. So in my distracted state, as I'm kind of talking to somebody and probably looking at something in my iPad and having the TV on at the same time, I hear those words and I think, yes, exactly. I love that. And then as I have a tendency to do after I've agreed with something, I begin to think about it and I thought, yeah, actually, I'm not sure I do agree with that. So while I had my iPad in my hand, I quickly did a search of those words 
And guess who said them? Yep, Mark Twain. Now, I was in the difficult place of not just wondering what I thought about these words, but also realizing that if I disagreed with them, I would be disagreeing with Mark Twain. The mere idea of disagreeing with him, this American icon of genius, made me feel like somehow I was the Grinch. So in that mode, I will tell you that I sat there and I puzzled and puzzled till my puzzler was sore. And I guess what I decided is, yeah, I just don't agree with him. I think he's flat wrong and actually the sentiment is dangerous. Yep, dangerous. I was watching a video recently, a TED Talk kind of thing, and the man who was speaking is a career counselor who specializes in helping people on their career path, and evidently, particularly now, helping a lot of millennials on their career path. And he said a couple of things. First, from the research that he has done, they, millennials, are the most unhappy generation in recent history in regards to their work situation. Now, before I start an avalanche of millennial bashing from my generation, the baby boomers, let me remind us who raised them. This guy said they are unhappy in their jobs because, well, because we've told them things like, you can be anything you want to be. And... Find a job you love and you'll never work a day in your life. So they get into jobs, find elements of it to be a grind, to be genuine work, and they figure, well, they figure they must have made a bad choice. They need to move on and find something else. What they didn't have someone tell them along the way is even those of us who are most fulfilled with our work still have parts of our jobs that we dislike. And we go through periods, sometimes long periods of our careers, that are less than fun in hopes of getting to something we want to do or will enjoy more further down the road. Matter of fact, some of us lead wonderful lives and don't really feel fulfilled by our jobs at all. I remember many years ago chatting with someone who was a lawyer. He was successful. He was good at it. And I asked him something like this. Tell me what it is that you love about being a lawyer. And he laughed and he said, not much at all. I mean, I'm good at it. I'm really good at it. So I get paid really well to do it. I like the people I work with and it affords me opportunities to do things with my family that I wouldn't otherwise be able to do. So I don't hate it, but it isn't fun. I do it because it allows me to do the things that I do think are fun. Nice story, but I have a question for you. Why is this quote from Mark Twain supposedly so dangerous? All right, well, for several reasons. First, it sounds right. And because it is a falsehood that sounds right, it leaves a lot of people feeling like miserable failures, unnecessarily. Also, it isn't a one-off, as they say. It's something that comes in similar variants that cause an equal number or potentially even more trouble in the other variants. Probably the one I dealt with the most in my ministry was the find the right person to marry and marriage will always be easy variant of this. Look, somewhere in the age of romanticism, our culture changed its model of marriage. We went from marriages being most often an economic union between two families. Marriages were arranged. And then we changed to it becoming a mystical life search for the perfect romantic match. 
Strangely, I have read some research that says marriages are no happier today than they were back then. Now, I don't know if that's true, but I think there may be some truth in it. When marriages were arranged, as terrifying as it sounds to me, both parties entering into the marriage knew that there was going to be work to make it succeed. In today's time, we've been misled into thinking that marriage is a hunt for the elusive unicorn called our soulmate. Find that person, and we will never have to put any effort into our marriage at all, which, if you can't tell, is an absolute lie. All right, enough. This is supposed to be a podcast about faith, spirituality, and religion. Best I can tell, this is an episode just as a rambling complaint against a Mark Twain quote used in a commercial that you didn't even fully remember. Huh. Okay, fair. You might want to switch to decaf. Second, as I said, you're right, but it's coming. There is a religious variant, and it is this. If you are faithful in your following God, then you will live a life without hardship, without pain. This must be the most toxic variant of all. Because if you believe it and you suffer hardship, then the only answer is that God has found some reason to find you lacking. You have failed God. Look, we can look at the Old Testament and discover that some of God's most loved and faithful servants suffered. King David, Moses, and of course the amazingly faithful and also amazingly long-suffering Job, they all suffered. They all struggled. None of them found life to be an easy path paved with nothing but joy because of their faithfulness. What about the New Testament? Now those people seem to be blessed by their faithfulness, now didn't they? Well, let's start with the Twelve Apostles, Jesus' closest followers. By tradition, we are told that only one of the original Twelve dies of natural causes. There were actually thirteen, right? Because Judas dies, if we are to take the Bible literally as to the way he died, a rather horrific death. Judas dies, and then they replace him, so now they go back to being twelve. And then of those twelve, eleven of them are executed, and only John is said to have died of natural causes. Well, well, what about Paul? He was arguably the most hard-working of all the disciples. Well, Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians that he has some sort of thorn in his flesh. Those are his words. He prays to God for relief three times and never receives the healing he seeks for whatever it was that was his thorn in the flesh. Oh, and he was executed as well. Okay, you could certainly argue, wait, each of them had flaws. Each of them might have been responsible for their own suffering. Yeah, I'm not really a fan of the, you must have created your own suffering line of reason, but let's take a look at that a little bit further. Now, there's one more name. I'm trying to remember. What's the name of that guy? What's his name in the Bible? Oh yeah, Jesus. You remember Jesus? Now, if you're a Christian, Jesus, we say, was without sin, without blame, the model for all of humanity to understand how to live our lives and what our lives will be like. And here's my question. Did he suffer? The point is that the story told throughout Scripture is not one in which we are encouraged to make good decisions and therefore our lives will be without hardship. 
Matter of fact, Scripture seems to imply that there's a lot of suffering. There's a lot of hardship on the way for the faithful. A much more useful way of understanding our spiritual life and journey is that our life will be filled with work. Life will have hardship. Every single one of us will experience suffering, loss, and pain. And yet, still we were created by a God who loves us and promises us not a life without suffering, but that even the worst of our sufferings are not experienced alone because because we worship a God who suffered too, who really understands the difficulties of our lives. And the pain of this life is transitory and ultimately followed by much better things in the life that we are promised to come. That's all for today. Be sure to check and see if you've subscribed to this podcast so you get notified of future episodes. Also, you can find me on Facebook and YouTube. Just search for SkyPilot FaithQuest. And if you'd like to offer a question for a future episode, my email address is dan at skypilot, S-K-Y-P-I-L-O-T dot zone. And as always, I would love to hear from you. On your spiritual journey, may you ask questions, seek answers, and boldly go wherever the quest takes you. Thanks for listening to SkyPilot FaithQuest. I invite you to send me a question or leave a review. And remember, the sign of a strong faith, solid religion, or healthy spiritual journey is not certainty, but that you keep asking questions.